I'm Bill. I'm T-Dog. And this is Two, two Films, Films Too, too curious, curious, where the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. This is our second year. Season number two. Two Films Too Curious, which I think for those of you who have listened to our uh, previous special features episodes, you'll know that, that we're focusing on sequels. Yes. But not all of them will be sequels. Sometimes we will do non-sequels, like but we're the, focusing on Like sequels. in season like one, in season it wasn't all adaptations, but, but we did a lot, lot of adaptations. adaptations. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, we did we did two sequels this time around that have been sitting on our shelf for a pretty long time. Yeah. They considered. For most of the length of the podcast, I think. And uh, we watched uh, Pacific Rim 2 and Terminator 2. Train Spotting 2. Train Spotting 2. <laughs> I would like to say that this is the first time I said Terminator 2. And not Transformers 2, <laughs> which is not what we watched. And I've been so. saying Train Spotting 2 the whole time. Yes. In my notes, it says Train Spotting 2. I said, mine says <laughs> T2. No, the other one. Um, <clears throat> but uh, before we do that, we've got people we got to thank. Thank you to our two patrons on Patreon. Both of them. The first patron, uh, Cotagonist Nick, and our second patron, Cotagonist Chris. Uh, and thank you also to uh, Cotagonist Anna. For the fact that we just ate her last box of hamburger helper that she gifted us, so yes, thank you, cotagonist Anna, for that. Thank you all. And thank if you, you would, all. if you would like to be one of our patrons, and then we can say all of them, not just both of them, right? Oh, we'll probably say the three of them. Then, yeah, we'll just add each time. Then you can go check out our Patreon. Just On Patreon, two films, two curious. Yeah, or just Google two films, two curious. We're literally the only people out there called that. And if anyone so, else, if you find anyone else, you let us know. Yeah, because we'll <laughs> kill them. That's not a joke. What? <laughs> Anyways, um, also, if you have other things you want to talk to us about, uh, feel free to send them to us in a message on Facebook or post on our Facebook wall. I check that relatively regularly. Or email. I check that regularly. Oh, there we go. I don't know what a password for our email is. I don't know. It might, it's just logged in. Oh, okay. I don't, know, I don't know what it is either. I can live with that. Probably the same as our router password, I think. Oh, yeah. That's, that's probably that what we went with. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we watched, uh, like I said, Transformers 2 and Pacific Rim 2. And uh, the, the sort of overarching theme was sequels, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And why mm-hmm. is, is one sequel better than another? So Critically and... Audience, right? Yes. So, uh, do you want to do summaries first? Do you want to do uh, fun facts first? Let's do let's let's summarize so okay. that we don't give away important plot points with my yeah, fun, fun facts. facts. That's smart. So this is pulled from Wikipedia because, despite having watched this movie twice, I there are some parts I just don't remember of this movie, and it's not because I got drunk. I just don't <laughs> remember the movie. It's twenty thirty five. Ten years after the Battle of the Breach, which was the whole thing of the first Pacific Rim movie, mm-hmm. um, former Jaeger pilot Jake Pentecost, who is the son of the hero Stacker Pentecost, Stacker, which is just a fantastic name, right? I would but like only to point a name out, that would work in a movie, I think. Right. I would like to point out too that uh, I spent every single time I've watched Pacific Run, Rim One thinking his name was Stryker, but we'll move on. <laughs> it's not Stryker; it's Stacker. Um, he. Is not following in his father's footsteps. He likes to kind of make a living based off stealing old Jaeger parts and selling them on the black market. Um, he kind of runs into this 15-year-old Jaeger enthusiast, Amara Namani. Both are arrested by the Pan-Pacific Defense Corps after a little altercation between her homemade Jaeger, which is a little tiny one named Scrapper, mm-hmm. 
and a police Jaeger named November Ajax. Also, very cool name. They just the know Jaeger how to name names, those robots. They really, they do. really do. Say what you will about the rest of this movie. The names. Um, PPDC, <laughs> PP, <laughs> Secretary General Mako, who is one of the heroes in the first movie, and also Jake's adopted older sister, mm-hmm. kind of says, all right, I'm going to bust you out of jail, but you have to come back and finish what you started, and you're bringing Amara. She's going to be your recruit. They arrive at where they train all these Jaeger pilots, <clears throat> and he finds Nate Lambert, who is like kind of a foil to Jake in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, he's very more uptight. He's very by the book. Yeah. He's follows all the rules. Um, kind of a guy. Would, and Jake's like all loosey goosey, laissez faire yeah. about it. It's like the brother and sister from Avatar. Oh no. <laughs> Sokka and Katara? (laughs) Thank you. Wait, is it Sokka? Is that what they call him in the movie? (laughs) In the shitty movie? I can't even remember what they call him in real life. I just remember it's Ong in that movie. Um, Anyways, uh, Mako reveals that the Jaeger program is uh, about to be shut down. They're going to replace it with all these drones from this Shao Corporation. Um, But they're made by Shao Liwen, who's the CEO, and one of the heroes from the first movie, Newt. Dr. Newt Geisler. Charlie Day. Charlie Day. What a wonderful man. What a wonderful day. A rogue Jaeger named Obsidian Fury, also a cool name, shows up during like a conference and kills uh, Mako despite Jake and Nate trying to stop it. And then, now that the only opposition to this whole new drone program has died, and because they're all worried about it now, the drone program like just gets approved and straight into the field. Um... Moments before Mako's death, she transmits this data like, hey, you need to, guys need to go to this area, check it out, something's fucky. <clears throat> Nate and Jake both go up there in their Jaeger, Gypsy Avenger, and they fight Obsidian Fury, destroy it, and they find out, what's all this? There's kaiju shit in it. Not poopoos. Kind of... <laughs> actual kaiju organs. Brains. Shit, uh, figuratively. F- figurative shit, yes, correct. Um, when... So they launch all these drones. All the drones are suddenly taken over by the kaiju brain that's inside of them. Big surprise. Um, <clears throat> the whole thing is that everyone thinks that, oh, man, it's Shao Corporation. They're, they're, they're the bad guys. They're they the planned this whole thing. But you find out, and I'm looking for his name, Gottlieb. That's the other scientist's name. Yes. Gottlieb and Newt. He's a real fucking legend in Jin yes, Alley. He, he is. He could kill anyone. Yep. For a silver piece or some such. <laughs> <laughs> he meets up with Newt and they're like, all right, let's shut it down. And then he finds out that Newt did the whole thing. He did it. He's been having VR sex with a kaiju brain from the first one. If you haven't seen the first one, they end up meld, like mind melding with a kaiju brain and they find right. out where the precursors are, kind of what they're doing. And there's the people that send the big robot or no big monsters. Um, <clears throat> and Newt's basically being controlled by them now because. And that's literally not the weirdest part of this movie. No. That's not the bad part. No. That's actually pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he commands these kaiju Jaegers that are being the brains in the Jaeger robots to make a new rift. And four? Yeah, two cat fours, a cat five, and a cat six. Uh, right? No, three three make it through. Three Jaegers make it through oh, before right. they shut they it down. Zip, zip. Eventually, eventually... Um, <clears throat> Gottlieb and Shao end up together end up 
stopping all those drones, but some stuff got out. Like I said, three kaijus got out before um, everything got shut down. Most of the Jaegers were destroyed at this point because those drones fucked everything up. Yep. The Now, because a lot of the pilots are dead, too, it's the recruits. I've been ignoring Amara this whole <laughs> thing. She's been training, and she's having difficulty. Yeah. Um, but eventually, she gets into it as well. They all have to basically trial by fire. You're going to go. We're going to go fight kaijus right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they go to, they find out the kaiju's ultimate goal is that since kaiju blood reacts very violently with rare earth metals, they're trying to just throw themselves into Mount Fuji and then, you know, set off the whole ring of fire in the Pacific Rim. Lots of clouds, lots of ash, and then everyone dies, and then the precursors can come and they have no resistance on the planet. And it kind of terraforms it for them. Good job. Two birds with one stone. Getting two birds stoned at once. Um, <clears throat> Newt, who is kind of controlling the kaiju, and from a distance he's standing on one of the buildings in Tokyo. <laughs> what? It's going to sing the song. <laughs> from a distance. <laughs> Newt is watching us. Newt he, is watching... I'm sorry. He is. He sees that the Jaegers are kind of winning, so he makes all these weird little robot Jaegers come out. They mesh all those three Jaegers... Not Jaegers. Kaijus together... And it makes a big Category 6 kaiju, who's yeah. just badass, and he kicks everyone's ass. Just stomping on the ground, like a big playground. Like like Godzilla, almost. Yep. He gets up to the top, he's about to throw himself in Mount Fuji, with the last kind of operational Jaeger, and Scrapper, who jumps into the phrase being controlled remotely by Shao. They launch their Jaeger up, up into the atmosphere, and they're just going to dive bomb it straight into that other Jaeger, and kill it because they don't have any weapons that can pierce its hide, essentially. They kill it. Mount Fuji doesn't explode. Everyone's happy. Um, they capture Newt. And then at the end, the very last scene, Newt's like, we're going to come for your shitty planet. It's going to be ours. And then Jake's like, tell the precursors we're coming to them. And there's not going to be a Pacific Rim 3, I don't think. <laughs> Actually, Netflix is doing a TV show. Oh, set after this movie? I don't know. Okay. But it's animated. That I feel like that has the ability to be cooler. We'll see. <clears throat> so that's uh, that's Pacific Rim 2. Uh, and uh, I can't think of anything to add. Oh, they did a turn in your gun and badge thing with, with the little kid. Oh, yes. Uh, that's, right a, before, that's a classic scene. Right before those drones attacked them, they were like... JK, we need you. <laughs> yeah. Here's your gun back, also your badge. Get your ass in that cockpit. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to summarize Terminator 2, because uh, I've seen it more, and I didn't pick. Uh, I'm not picky. I don't know why I said it that way. You always ask me which one I want to do. I know. I know. Anyways, Terminator 2 uh, is actually easier for me to uh, uh, summarize, because like you, I don't remember much of Pacific Rim 2, <laughs> which is surprising, because Terminator 2 is the one I fell have asleep we, in. Have we watched Pacific Rim 2? I don't we know why we're even talking a about podcast. it. We could put that in it. We could call it two movies we watched that we're also interested about. I don't think that's catchy. We should just call it science fiction double feature. Yeah. That's, that's what I wanted to call it anyways. What was the other name that we had a really great one for? Now this is podcasting, but someone already took that. Someone took that and then there was there was another one. Double just double feature. Double feature. Yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> all of that besides. Terminator two um, takes place. A number of years after Terminator 1. Uh, 
John Connor is, uh, uh, what are we going to call him, 8, 10-year-old boy. Yeah, he's he's in his early, he's in his pre-teens. Yeah, 12, something around there. Uh, he's a wee bab. Yeah. I guess, I guess the movie starts with like a, a little description of Judgment Day um, for the Terminators, which if you haven't seen the first Terminator, what the deal is is that a, a cybernetic company called Cyberdyne has all these drones, and the drones take over and try and destroy the world. Humans form a resistance uh, led by a guy named John Connor, uh, and the Terminators develop uh, go-back-in-time technology, and they're going to go back in time to kill the mom of John Connor, and so they send uh, a human soldier to go back and defend her. Anyways, in the second one, obviously they failed in the first one. John Connor is a 12-year-old boy. Up. He's grown up. Uh, he's with a foster family because his mom, they think she's crazy. They put her in an insane asylum. Because she's talking about she's the, talking end about the, world, the end of the world, robots, terminators, all that nonsense. Um, <clears throat> the opening little monologue thing tells you that they sent two terminators back. A low-tech terminator to try and kill Sarah Connor. And a high-tech terminator a little bit later in the future to try and kill John Connor. That terminator's coming back now. But the humans found a terminator, hacked it, and sent it back in time to protect John Connor. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. The same model as the first movie. Right. So it still looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is a plot point later on in the movie. And a plot point that it's not as strong as this other Terminator. Right. So anyways, both Terminators are back in time now. Uh, they're trying to find... It's T-800 and T-1000, right. right? Schwarzenegger's T-800. Uh, the guy from X-Files Seasons 8 and 9 is T-1000. Uh, he's the goopy one. They, they're both back in time now. They're both trying to find John Connor, and they both r- find him eventually at a mall. At the same time, coincidentally. At the same time, right. And uh, the kid is like, oh my god, Terminators are real, this is crazy. And um, he's talking to, after the T-800 is able to rescue him, he's talking to the T-800 and he's like, I'm here to protect you. You programmed me in the future to protect you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that now. And he's like, all right, well, we've got to get my mom. And he's, he's like, but the T-1000 is going to be there. And he's like, I order you to get my mom. And he's like, well, I have to do that because you're the boss of me. Mm-hmm. So they go break into the insane asylum that his mom is in. Uh, As she's busting out. Right. And so then they meet up. Uh, but the T-1000 is there. So they got to fight the T-1000 again. They finally make it out alive. Um, As we're watching the movie, we find out that John Connor, uh, before his mom went into insane asylum... Uh, used to hang out with like paramilitary people and gun runners and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and so they go to Mexico to meet up with her gun runner friend, and they get their whole arsenal, and they're like, "We're gonna kill this T1000," and then they were like, "Wait a second, T800, you're from the future, you know who did this whole thing?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's this, it's this dude named Dyson," and so they're gonna go and kill like uh, Sarah Connor's like, "I'm gonna kill Dyson before he can invent any vacuums." Right, no vacuums, no Dyson spheres. <laughs> I gotta kill him. Which, ultimately, he's dead now. Well, the Dyson Sphere guy is dead. And the Dyson Vacuum guy, I think, is still alive. Anyways, rip to the Dyson Sphere guy. He died, like, two weeks ago. Um, but John Connor finds out that his mom's gonna go kill this guy. And he's like, no, we can't do that. Killing's bad, you guys. And so I'm they go... i 12 and I have a conscience. <laughs> they go and stop the mom from killing him. But the guy's like, nah, you're right. We gotta destroy all the evidence. And so they're destroying all the evidence. And they have this big fight with the T-1000. And the doctor dies, uh, and the, they kill the T-1000, and then also the T-800's like, we got to get rid of all of the evidence, so you guys got to burn me, and I'm going to burn the other stuff too. And John Connor's very sad, and Sarah Connor is sad too, uh, because she's friends with the robots now, and uh, he says, hasta la vista, baby, and puts his thumb in the air. And that's the movie. 
That is the movie. I don't think I missed anything. Did I miss anything? No, you didn't miss anything, but you just made me realize that most of that was like the first hour and a half of the movie. Yeah. And then the last half hour was like four sentences. Yeah. And it is just what happens. Yeah. I mean, you, you didn't miss anything. It's just what happens. <laughs> it's the bombastic action it sequence. Is. And to be fair, the, the action sequences are amazing in this movie. Yes. In both movies, I think. But we'll get to that in a minute. Yes. You got some fun facts for us? I do. I do have some fun facts. You got so. a short page out. I think that's a Pacific Rim facts. Is that true? Yes. They're, they're just a little bit less fun. fun. <laughs> they are indeed facts. <laughs> Is one of them that is that uh, John Boyega is in Pacific Rim 2, and he's also in a Star War? No, I didn't put that one. That's a pretty fun fact, though. <laughs> it is, because it has Star Wars in it. Because it's got it. Star Wars in it. Come on, man. Um, first fun, quote-unquote, fact is that uh, Guillermo del Toro stepped down as director, kind of mid-production of this, to do Shape of Water, which won the Academy Award for Best Picture. I don't know that Pacific Rim Uprising won anything. It won a space on my shelf in the peas <laughs> between Pacific Rim 1 and something that comes after it. <laughs> Some other pea movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, this is kind of a fun fact. The, ranked, the rank worn by the cadets is U.S. Army Warrant Officer rank. Oh, interesting. That's interesting and disappointing because the first one, Del Toro specifically, was like, I don't want actual military ranks because I don't want to glorify the military. That's why they're rangers. That's why their rank is ranger. Oh, oh well. They decided to shit all over his legacy in this movie. I mean, they did that a lot. <laughs> um, when Newton activates the drone subroutine to shut all the drones off, the screen displays the name of the protocol as CMD Command. Lima Victor 426, which is a nod to the movie Aliens, where most of the action takes place on a moon called LV-426. Oh, that's probably the, the funnest fact. That is a pretty fun fact, though, and I like that. I like that we get those things like that. It's like the is it A one twenty seven, the yeah. the room number from Cal Arts. That's that's in, in all like the every Pixar movie, yeah. Yeah. and a ton of other ones too. But people that went there put that yeah number in there, or movie. THX Love Thirty Eight and stuff, or uh, putting uh, a Vagoda in your movies. It's like Lorem Ipsum on stuff online. Yeah, do you know that? Christina wrote a lorem ipsum generator that that made it look like uh, a Magic the Gathering trading card game battle. No, that's awesome. Anyways, Uh, this is in the director's commentary, which I don't know that I'll ever watch for this film. Yeah, probably not. The bots that Stitch quote mega mega kaiju together Mm -hmm. are called rippers because they rip apart the kaiju into a new form. The director also says he had no idea how to do this, which is why it's very hard to see in the film. That's why all that <laughs> fog comes out of nowhere. <laughs> all right. This last one's also a fun fact. James Gunn filmed the cameo as a DJ, but it ended up being deleted from the film. Oh. Gunn joked on Twitter that the scene was omitted so his character could be saved for his own spin-off movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if there's deleted scenes on a special feature. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'll ever see him. Well, but if there is, I'd watch it at least for the James Gunn movie. I'd w- I would watch that scene, yes. We've not have we done, we've not done the James Gunn movie on our show. I don't believe so. Well, we had one on the sh- stack for a while, because I want to do Belco Experiment and Cube. We might do that later. We'll, we'll see. We'll come back and reference this moment when we see those films. Yes, because as you know, we both have an encyclopedic knowledge of the things that we say here, and I'm not surprised when I listen to him tomorrow. <laughs> 
fun facts for Terminator 2, <laughs> Judgment Day. I thought Terminator 3 was called Judgment Day, but that's Rise of the Machines, I ah. found out today. Oh, you know what we forgot to say? I don't know if this is in your fun facts. We watched a very special version of Terminator 2. It is not in my fun facts. We watched the extreme DVD of Terminator 2, T2 and boy, Judgment boy, was that Day. menu extreme. Oh, man. <laughs> this thing was more extreme than extreme it was, sports. It was capital X extreme. Yes. But with an E at the beginning, like it was that, lowercase. that movie. <laughs> Who made that movie? Existence. I feel like it's a director. E.T.? Yes. Anyways. Fun fact number one. There are more fun facts for this one. I That's actually had trouble, reasonable. I had trouble narrowing it down. Production took so long that Edward Furlong, who played John Connor, visibly aged during the shoot. I didn't notice this watching <laughs> it, either. but he is apparently clearly much younger in the scene in the desert than in other scenes. Also, his voice began to break and had to be pitched to one level in post-production. <laughs> he had grown so tall over the months that for one of the reshoots and late in the production schedule, he had to stand in a hole in the ground for the height continuity with his mom, Sarah Interesting. Connor. Which, that's a very James Cameron thing to do. Yeah. Pay attention to the height continuity of your actors. There, uh, do you know what the the what it's called for uh, if you have to stand on a box, what the name of the box is? A Gimli box? No, but you're on the right track. It's called a scully box. Oh. Because David Duchovny is much shorter than Gillian Anderson, but they wanted him to be at least equal height or David Duchovny to be taller in X-Files. So, scully box. That's the second X-Files reference. Anyways. So, who knows how many we'll come up with while we want, while we record this. It's as if there's a guy from the X-Files in Terminator 2, Judgment Day. What? That's crazy. Speaking of him. Ah! Robert Patrick, which is his name. Ah, he has a name. Trained in a rigorous running regimen. There's your, there's your fucking alliteration. Yeah, I can't do that. While breathing only through his nose in order to be able to appear to not fatigue while running. Which makes sense. Hmm. If you run, if you're... <laughs> it looks like you're fatigued. He trained so hard that he was able to catch up to Edward Furlong on the dirt bike. <laughs> so he had to slow down <laughs> when he was running to chase it. That's intense. That's crazy. That's, that's awesome. Um, and that chasing leads in straight into the next fun fact for the Los Angeles River sequence, which is like that, that classic, that good, good, that good, good. Arnold Schwarzenegger was in pain for most of the shoot because he could not wear a glove while cocking the gun because he doesn't have a glove at that point in the movie. Yeah. So his fingers got stuck in the mechanism a lot. He tore the skin from his fingers and hands many times before he mastered it. And he frequently hit Edward Furlong with the gun while doing it at one point, almost knocking him out. He had to achieve all this while trying to act and control a Harley at the same time and James Cameron telling him where to look. He could not dart his eyes because that would have ruined the shot. Shooting the gates also took weeks of practice because he had to, quote, act cool while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, does he act cool. He, he almost doesn't even need to act. He's just cool. He's just cool. It, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger for you. This one I didn't even think about. They used twins twice in this film. They, which makes me think, what a, what wonderful happenstance that Linda Hamilton has a twin sister. Yeah. Whose only IMDb credit is being the other Sarah Connor when T one thousand mimics her in this movie. Oh, okay. But also identical twins, Don Stanton and Dan Stanton. I don't know why you'd name your twins such similar names. Right. That's the security guard at the hospital that T one thousand imitates. Do you know the um uh. 
I feel like he may have been casted because he had a twin. That could but be. But how lucky that the actress for Sarah Connor had a twin. Yeah. You know the uh, the Dr. Seuss poem, Too Many Daves? About a lady who's got 30 kids and they're all named Dave. Oh, no. And it's, the whole poem is just him coming up with other names for Dave. Like Hoos Foos. That's Buffalo that's, Bill and Biffalo Buff. <laughs> Those are certainly names. Where they can be. This is my favorite fun fact because it has to do with the sounds in the movie. For those of you who don't know, Tyler is a sound designer, which is why he doesn't do the sound design <laughs> for the show. <laughs> this is amateur. We don't want professionals working on it. No, we don't. Anyone who majored in a thing cannot work on that thing for this podcast. Thank God I majored in something so boring like history. <laughs> For the sound of the T-1000 passing through the metal bars, sound designer Gary Ridstrom simply inverted opening a can of dog food and recorded the closed-packed food as it slowly oozed out. He jokingly stated, They spent $6 million on special effects. I spent $0.35 cents on a can of dog food. <laughs> Classic. Uh, when transforming and flowing like mercury, the metallic sound of the T-1000 was the spraying of dust off into a mixture of flour and water with a condom-sealed microphone submerged in the goo. Apparently condoms are very good for just keeping things water out of things. They use them on guns, too, in the military. Not just water. <laughs> Lots of liquids. <laughs> they're just It's like they're designed to be liquid-proof. Yeah. Um, for the sound of the bullet striking the T-1000, inverted glass was slammed into a container of yogurt, creating a sound combo of hard edge and goop. Huh. Could have kept that goop out with some condoms. Yeah. Unless you're Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> That's a different kind of goop right there. <laughs> and then this is my second favorite one. The phrase, hasta la vista, baby, is translated to sayonara, baby, in the Spanish dub of the film. <laughs> That's a good to preserve To preserve the humorous nature. Yeah, I like that. So those are your fun facts? Those are all my fun facts. I, uh... I'm surprised you didn't say that uh, both of these movies, uh, as a fun fact for both of them, that both of these movies are were sequels. Filmed. Yes. <laughs> That's actually a similarity I have, which I think segues nicely into similarities and differences. That both of these movies are both A, set after their originals, and B, filmed after their originals. Yes, which is sometimes not always the case. I don't know. <laughs> Or maybe it is. Who knows? I don't know. Can you have a prequel that comes out before the original? Or is know. the original just the sequel? We're not in questions yet. I don't know why I'm asking questions. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about similarities and differences. Because they're both sequels, uh-huh. they both do start with somewhat, something of a recap. Yes. Although, interesting enough. At the very enough, least, to catch you up to speed of why this movie starts where it does. Both... Uh, as far as I remember, it's been a minute since I've seen Terminator 1. Both movies, both of the originals also start with scenes of exposition. And although the Terminator 2 has a recap, most of that recap doesn't connect to Terminator 1 until the very end. Yeah. When they're like, we sent two robots back, not just one. It's true. As opposed to Pacific Rim 2, one which almost immediately picks up after Pacific Rim 1. Thought that was interesting. Another fun fact: the little kids are annoying in both. 
We'll get to that question, which I've been thinking about all day. <laughs> That'll be at the end. They're not that and, bad. And in fact, in both, while the kid, I assume we're talking about Amara mm-hmm. in Pacific Rim Uprising, not her, but both of these films have a kid from a hero of the previous film. That's true. Because while you know, I haven't seen Terminator 1, while you know in Terminator 1 that the, the robot's there to kill the mom right, of so the hero. Right, so she doesn't have the kid, right. The mom is still, and the dad are both the heroes in that film. Right. So John Connor, quote unquote, only shows up because Sarah Connor's pregnant at the very end of the first one. Yeah. So. Do you think the same actor played him? Probably. <laughs> it's pretty neat, actually. <laughs> but then, and then you have um, John Boyega. So is his name, is he named John Pentecost? I can't remember what is his, his name, name is. Is his name still John? I forgot to. I have to look at the thing. Jake. His name is Jake Pentecost, who is the son of a hero from the first one. Yes. And arguably the cool, unarguably the coolest guy in the first film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hannibal Chow is a oh. very competitive oh. second. Yes. I'll agree with that. For those of you of who the, haven't seen Pacific the, Rim 1. Heroes. Yes. He's the coolest guy. Uh Pacific Rim 1 does, in fact, have uh, one of... I don't know if we asked this question when we did our first special feature, but I will watch any movie if it has Ron Perlman in it, and he's in the first one. A contributing factor to why I wanted to watch the first one. We we may have talked about that, because I remember talking about Ryan Gosling a lot. Yes. Who's my answer to that question? Uh, let's see. I had an expository intro as well, um, as one of my fun facts. Um but I also put, similar to what you said about um, having a child of a hero from the first one, both of the kids in these movies, John Connor and Alarnamarnanen, um, are... <laughs> That's why I said John Pentecost, because John Connor. Yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, both John Connor and this lady from the second one, from second... Amaranamari. Amaranamari <laughs> are genius kids. They're... John yes, Connor yeah. is a super hacker kid, and I mean, his parents were gun runners at a time, so when they're like, they keep handing him back the guns and he keeps reloading them for them. Um, and then Amara Namari uh, is able to build her own Jaeger, a Jaeger that only requires one pilot. Because it's so, so small. Because it's so small. So that's a pretty interesting similarity, and I think it goes back to a trope that I'm certain has a name, although I don't know what it is, that um, like a lot of sequels, especially in the 80s, had kids as the main character so like beyond thunderdome has kids mad max beyond thunderdome mm-hmm. has kids uh aliens has the kid has what's her name newt mm-hmm. is her name also newt we've got ties uh, right in the pacific rim boom we've got john connor um and so kids was a thing Let, let's call that trope children are the future children are the future we gotta sing the song isn't that a song <laughs> i don't know it i don't know anyways one of, and I think that this is a similarity that's going to come up many, many times as we talk about sequels throughout this season, mm-hmm. is you have the reversal of the morality of the first film. The T-800 is bad in the first film, and now ah. he's good in the second film. In the second film, we have bad Jaegers, and we have bad scientists. Right. Where in the first one, those are exclusively good, good things. things. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I was, I was thinking about that, too, that not necessarily about that, but that... At least in Terminator 2, the badass thing becomes a good guy. And that's 
a lot of people that say they like Terminator 2 better than Terminator 1 like it better because Arnold Schwarzenegger is a badass and they want to root for a good guy. Yeah, they want to be on his side. Um, Which is, I guess, a fine reason to like Terminator 2 better, but he's such a good villain in Terminator 1. Imagine that hulking mass, unblinking, unwavering, stalwart... Un-eyebrowed. Hulking mass just killing everybody in the phone book whose name is Sarah Connor. Homie's a badass. Anyways. She's lucky she has a common name. Right? There's like 20 of them in Los Angeles. Uh, This is not a similarity or difference, but I just wanted to point out that Terminator 2 attempted to make me think that somebody was a badass by playing the song Bad to the Bone. It did. And it ultimately, that did not affect... He was just badass because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. I feel like that song was not necessary. It, well, it wasn't. And if anything, it made Schwarzenegger look less like a badass because Parent Trap has ruined that song for me. <laughs> when I hear Bad to the Bone, I don't see a leather-clad ass-kicker cocking a gun and getting on a motorcycle. I see uh, Lindsay Lohan playing poker against Lindsay Lohan, and they're both eight years old. Wouldn't it be crazy if one of them wasn't eight years old? Oh, no. <laughs> It'd be like John Connor in this piece. Boom. Connection. That was one of the fun facts I didn't talk about, but now I will. Oh, do it. <laughs> Is that that beginning scene where it plays Bad to the Bone, where uh-huh. Arnold Schwarzenegger teleports because all Terminators teleport naked. Yes. Walks into the bar and he's like, I want your clothes and your motorcycle mm. and whatever. Um, apparently, this is in the, <laughs> in the fun facts and the behind-the-scenes stuff, some random person... Wandered into that bar set because they thought it was a bar, despite you know like the lights and the cameras right. and the action. Never underestimated drunk. And walked in and just saw Arnold Schwarzenegger naked, and she was like, "What's going on here?" And Arnold Schwarzenegger said, "It's male stripper night." Oh no! Oh, no. Well, I guess it said he wasn't naked; he had boxers on, but just like, oh, that's wonderful. And it said on the fun fact, it doesn't know for sure. But at the beginning of Terminator 3, the bar that Arnold goes into when he goes back in time is, it is in fact male stripper night. And there may be a reference to it. <laughs> yeah. Even though James Cameron didn't do the third Terminator as far as Well, I but theoretically they had, you know. Arnold told a funny anecdote and then they were like, oh, let's put it at, in the movie. At the very least, yeah. Um, a difference, I think, is that for all of its flaws, Amara Namari, am I saying that right? I think so. Amara Namari is a likable character. Yes, you understand her as a character. So much quicker than you do John Connor, who at the beginning just seems like a shithead kid. Is it because I'm an adult now? You know what? Yeah, because if you were to watch it as... I mean, it came out in 91, so we would not have even been... I was alive. 12 years old. I I was... Oh, no, I wasn't alive. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I I wasn't alive. I'm assuming this movie came after after May, but... We were not... We weren't even 12 months old, let alone 12 years old. I was. <laughs> but even watching it as a kid after the fact, which is when I first saw it was as yeah. a kid. I hadn't even seen the first Terminator, but I saw Terminator 2. Yeah. I would have related to him more. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Even though I was not a uber hacker kid. Yeah. Because computers <laughs> didn't exist. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that YouTube video where the lady's trying to explain what an Uber Axor oh, is. No. <laughs> I'm pretty lead, but I wouldn't consider myself an Uber Axor. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty lead, though. So, I got. I used to have a t-shirt that said that on it. 
That's that was that was just the time period. I Drinking think balls energy drink wearing a t-shirt I bought from the micro center. Ugh, what a badass! Just call me John Connor. <laughs> I don't know if this is a similarity. You have to tell me because I haven't seen the first Terminator. I have. <laughs> At least in Pacific Rim Uprising, they reuse a gag, which is the Jaeger sliding and then yeah, ding ding. Right oh, that's right. Do yeah. they reuse a gag in from the first Terminator? Film? I mean, he says, "I'll be back." In this uh, one, doesn't he? Because yeah. he says that in the first one. And it's a great line because he, he goes into the police station in the first one looking for Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes into the police station and he's like, I'm looking for Sarah Connor. And the guy's like, hey, fill out the form or whatever. He's like, I'll be back. And he leaves the police station okay, then, and yeah. then he drives his car through the police station. Ah. So. Well, he's had and a, the glasses, a reversal of morality at that he had, point. He, he didn't wear glasses in the first one at the beginning of the movie. And then he got like his eye blown, like the the, the skin that covers his eye got blown off. So, and he, so he started wearing glasses afterwards. I think that's how it goes. And so him grabbing the sunglasses was sort of like an iconic Arnold Schwarzenegger wears glasses. I wear glasses too, kind of thing. I guess. So I, it, even if not the sunglasses, I would definitely say that I'll be back is reusing, not yeah. a, necessarily a gag, but but a, rehashing right, something from a the call first back film. from the first one. Yeah. Which incidentally, yeah. I don't because it's been so long since I've seen Terminator One. I don't know for sure, but one of the things that I have about Pacific Rim 2 is that it feels like... I had said that it feels like they're playing meek believe in the Pacific Rim world. Like, they like people that... This is a like, D&D campaign right. in the Pacific Rim. Well, even besides that, it feels like the actors found the Pacific Rim universe and decided to make a movie in the Pacific Rim universe. Not that these are characters in the Pacific Rim universe. And I don't yeah. know if that's accurate or not. But I did say that I feel like Pacific Rim 2 focuses too much on the little things of the Pacific Rim world. Oh, Check off Jaeger. Check off. We're saying category five. Uh, he has a speech at the end. Uh, it's a they they gotta figure out a way to drift when they're not drift compatible. You know, blah 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 blah. And I think this happens when you make a movie where it's the studio. It's the studio making the movie. I don't know if that's true, but they try. They know the the beats, the jokes from the first one that landed or the things that people thought were cool mm-hmm. and they're like all right well let's just plug them into this one and i could be wrong but i feel like that's a contributing reason as to why the big question for this episode is that pacific rim 2 is just not as good as terminator 2 not even just agree? not even just as films but as sequels specifically yeah i would say maybe i can't judge because i haven't seen the first terminator movie well but i mean Unequivocally, Terminator 1 and 2 and Alien 1 and 2 and Godfather 1 and 2 are the huge argument which one is better. You've got a a very vocal piece of that pie in both camps. And I can't think of anybody that likes Pacific Rim 2 better. Like, I've never heard that as a thing. And I, I don't, I don't dislike that movie. I'm fine. I'm glad that I have it, and there was some cool shots in it. And but I'm yeah. Oh yeah. If someone's like, you want to watch a movie, I'm infinitely gonna suggest Pacific Rim One or Terminator Two. Well over Pacific Rim Two. Yeah. Or Terminator One. Right. Over. Well, <laughs> Terminator One is the bee's knees, so I'm suggesting that over Terminator Two. Two. But. Two two. Two. Terminator Four. Two. Was that that was the one with Christian Bale, right? Terminator Where it Salvation? all takes place yeah, in, the I think fu- so. in the future, yeah, as John Connor, yeah. yeah. And then there's the show, and then the Sarah Connor Chronicles, yeah. That's what the show's called, and then we have Genesis, which yeah. is the one with Amelia Clark, 
and then we have Dark Fate, which is the most recent one. Okay, I'm I'm reading up a lot on Terminator. Okay, yes, I'm excited to watch those. I, I, I don't think that. I mean, the fact that I like Pacific Rim two makes me think that I will like the bad Terminators and the bad Aliens as well. I'm excited to watch Alien three and enjoy it, and AVP and AVP two. Anyways. Uh, I, I'm going to guess based on your body language and the fact that you put your notebook away that you uh, you are out of notes. I'm out of similarities and differences, yes. Okay. But if you have more, we can discuss those. I don't think I do. I had a couple of other uh, just comments. Uh, oh, just that the, the authenticity of, of Pacific Rim 2 was suspect for me. And I think that the authenticity of Pacific Rim, or of Terminator 2, was also... Mm, because I think that this is... Incidentally, a reason why Terminator 2 and Alien 2 would have been interesting as well. But I feel like Terminator 1 is a is an interesting, almost dystopian sci-fi movie. And mm-hmm. Alien 1 is a sci-fi horror. Terminator 2 is an action, action movie. movie. Alien 2 is an, is an action, action movie. movie. Well. And that's yeah. fine. But I liked the uniqueness of this. Pacific Rim 1 was a really unique twist on a monster robot movie. And Pacific Rim 2 what a is good an twist action it movie. Was. <laughs> so I think that there's something about like we're doing we're taking the easy way out, maybe. Yeah, like you we said, it's, it's people make believe in this in the world that this first one created. Yeah. Then they decided, well, let's just make an action movie out of it and make some money. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, they got my money because I saw it. And did, did we see it in the theater? I didn't see it in the theater. First time I saw, saw it at home. First time I saw it was with you. Well before the podcast. That may have been the first time I saw it as well. Did I fall asleep that time? I know. Maybe. I can't remember. You fell asleep this time. (laughs) That was my other fun fact. Charlie Hunnan, who's in the first Pacific Rim, was not in Pacific Rim 2 and was instead in King Arthur, (laughs) which made $140 million against a $190 million budget. As opposed to Pacific Rim 2, which made $290 million off of its $140 million budget. So Pacific Rim 2 almost made double. Although, and look, apparently making Terminator, a profit is I mean, very uh, different from the production cost of the film that's true. marketing and all that stuff. Because I've true. seen stuff that makes a lot of money and then and they somehow say loss. it's a loss or we broke even. Hollywood accounting, man. It's I'm telling you. Hashtag the 1%. Hashtag Reagan did it. We'll, we'll never hire an accountant for this podcast. God, no. Which is why Tyler has received little to no money from the Patreon, <laughs> and uh, I never struggle to purchase things for this podcast. So that's a lie. It's been exactly half. I swear to you. <laughs> Give or take a couple of cents. Anyways, we're gonna blow right past that and talk about questions. You should ask a couple questions. I will ask a couple <laughs> because questions. I have a couple, but I have one. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'll ask a couple. I had one that I had thought about, and then it's gone now. Oh, I guess this is one. Um, what did you like about Terminator 2 that made it an enjoyable movie, and what did you dislike about Pacific Rim 2 that made you think that it was not a good sequel? That's almost my question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what I liked about Terminator 2 is that none of the... Because it has comedic moments, of course, you have to have these comedic breaks of whatever you're doing. You have to have sure. comic relief. Sure. It it never overstepped what it was supposed to be. Yeah. It was like, little joke, little joke. That was it. That was all that was going on. It wasn't like a whole like gag sequence, which, yeah. while Pacific Rim didn't have necessarily a gag sequence, the 
comedy felt out of place yeah, to the actual some movie. Some of the like the comedic stylings of both Scott Eastwood and John Boyega, you're like, okay, like this isn't a quippy movie. This yeah. is an animal house. Let's yeah. You're robots, you're supposed to fight. I felt like they wrote the quippiness in to be quippy and not because it would have been an aspect of these characters. Zing. Okay. And then, so that's part of why I enjoyed Terminator 2 over Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, I don't know that, again, I haven't seen the first Terminator. I like. I really liked all the action sequences in Terminator 2 to where, like, they're so iconic that even the ones I had forgotten about because I've only seen the movie when I was very, very young. Right. I were like, I was like, oh, yeah. I remember right. now. He has a shotgun in the case of roses. I remember the roses, like that one very vivid image of the roses falling while he has the shotgun in yeah. his hands. Or Terminator or T-1000 coming through the metal bars. Or Well, that's just because of the cat gif. Yes, that is part of why I remember that. The cat. <laughs> and or, and there's also a Pomeranian oh, yeah. as well. I'm thinking of that one. Oh. Um, <clears throat> Cats and dogs, they're the same. A cat is born and it grows up to be a dog, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, that the the action feels more earned in that movie for some reason to me. Yeah, that's Whereas fair. in Pacific Rim, it was just like, we gotta have a fight scene now. The yeah. fight scenes didn't seem... Honestly, I don't think there were enough of them. No, there weren't it, enough, and they were... And Terminator 2, while being a much longer movie, yeah, and having, I'm sure, comparatively a lower percentage of action sequences in the film compared to Pacific mm-hmm. Uprising, it just... It was better. Yeah. It flowed together better. The In Pacific Rim, it just felt like they needed, okay, now I need an action sequence. Right. It felt like... Blah, 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 comedy, comedy, uh, quip, quip, action sequence. Mortal Kombat. It felt like Mortal Kombat. In yes, that but, they were but like... I like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> because Pacific Rim is trying to be something that it isn't, I think. It's trying to be a sequel when it, it just... It feels like they just barely put those little threads between them. Yeah. It's very, very thin. Whereas... I don't know. Mortal Kombat knows what it is. It knows exactly what it is, and it doesn't yeah. try to be something different. That's fair. What was your question that's similar, and then I can see if my answer is similar. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, what would you what would you change in Pacific Rim to make it a good sequel? You know, honestly, I would, I think that... At or above the level of Terminator 2. Oh, I don't know if I could get above. Um, and that's... Terminator 2 isn't even my favorite sequel. Um, but I think that... I think that I didn't have a I didn't have a uh, words for it until you said it, but but solidifying the threads between Pacific Rim One and Pacific Rim Two, we needed more than the same robot and more Mako than those checkboxes you and, were talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, so if we could have had Idris Elba in a flashback scene, if Charlie Hunnan was in it, where I'm certain, or even in a flashback scene too, like Charlie Hunnan, I'm like ninety thousand percent sure was supposed to be Scott Eastwood's character. Oh, probably, yeah. Um, and I don't know, just something, something that made it to more... where they—I almost thought they were the same person. Yeah, yeah. It's because they look similar. some sort of—I don't know—some sort of larger connection, uh, an, an, an emotional connection between the first and the second movie, and not yeah. just a setting connection. Yeah, it, it's a setting connection, and it's a remember this character. Yeah, nudge, nudge. It's not like why weren't why aren't these people celebrated? They saved yeah. the world in the first movie. Mako, I guess, is she's the director of the whole thing. Yeah, but right. Yeah, it looked like it looked almost like 
I don't know. I guess it could also it could also be that it's a it's a large number of years after a larger number of years after the first one, the second one is than yeah. Terminator. But it feels like they took the characters that they took from Pacific Rim one and put them in an entirely different universe that's slightly the that like visually it still has similar. robots and monsters, right. but that's about and the so they have no problem and they don't care. And I mean, you see that shot at the end ish when Mako they they like in, I guess not at the end at some point in the movie that I've forgotten the entire thing of you see the shot of mako's grave and striker pentecost and, stacker yeah, his, pentecost's grave and next to it somebody else's i think in this whole yeah that's operation. In, that was one of the fun facts i forgot the third person like, oh, like yeah. not one of my fun facts but it was one of the ones i read today yeah and i'm like i don't know because i i read a thing i can't remember who said it um or may have heard it in an interview or something that no actor goes into a movie and is like, all right, let's fuck this up. And no yeah, actor, yeah, you don't fair. know that the movie you've made is bad until you watch it. Like because, at every because point the in editing this, you is, think that it's is good. such an important aspect of it. Even besides that, like generally speaking, you're like, all right, well, I trust the people that wrote this script. It might think it's weird, but I trust them. We're going to get this done. That's the people that and were so, on Star Wars. Exactly. There's a part was like, this is weird. Yeah. And it fucking killed. It's the best movie in the world. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, Alec Guinness was like, I don't even like this. Alec Guinness look how was good like, it was. Look Alec Guinness was is. like, Star Wars is the greatest thing I've ever done. Don't even ever watch Lawrence of Arabia. That don't means shit. at me. Before Twitter. Way before, tw- way before Twitter, he said, don't <laughs> at me. He also said, don't tase me, bro. But that was an entirely <laughs> different thing. Anyways, anyways, I guess, yeah, I don't... Did you have anything other than that to say about what you would have changed from Pacific Rim 2? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that... That was That's my much, thought. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know. No, as in I have no further thoughts on the matter. Next question. My neighbor, Guillermo d- Totoro, <laughs> maybe might have been able to do something different. <laughs> but... like my neighbor, Totoro. Because <laughs> you, know, you know about that fun fact, right? From the first one? What? That the girl that plays young Mako couldn't say Del Toro. And so oh. she said Totoro and was super embarrassed. And uh, I bet he loved it. Huge, fat nerd that loves anime was like oh dear god please call me totoro <laughs> this is so wonderful and see so that fun a, fact is better than every single like, fun fact about the sequel bowing to each other like totoro does it's very it's quite adorable um but yeah i don't know it was just eh, i don't know i think this this might be lower on my list than anything from season one pacific room two and i think that it's mostly just because of the missed opportunities I was so ready for I this movie. I might agree. I don't remember what my 25 was, but I know that Dungeons and Dragons was very low on my list. Yeah. And I think I liked that more than... It was not the lowest. And we had 30, right? We had 30? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyways. I was going to say 25, and that's not even an even number, so that's right, not right. Say, been <laughs> you won't let me do an odd one yet. Uh, here's another question. Who would win in a fight? Arala Malari or John Carter? John Carter? He's from Mars. John Carpenter. Uh, between Jesus and Amara and Amari. Is that what you said? Yes. Because no. of Carpenter? No. Uh, John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that Amara Amari would beat him. Yeah, I think so too. He's I think that while he has they have similar brains, mm-hmm. maybe, similar smarts. Street smarts and yeah. book smarts. Yeah. I think that she has obviously had to fight more. All right, she's got the physical aspect of it down. He can reload guns, but can he shoot the guns? Right. Can he do all them flips and shit that she's doing to try and get Jaeger hearts out of the bodies so that she can put them in the machines? I don't know. Probably not. 
That's what we agree. That's fair. Okay, so you've seen Terminator 3. Yes. Did you like Terminator 3? Yes. Were you more disappointed in Pacific Rim 2 for being not as good or more impressed at Terminator 2 for being better than Terminator 3? I don't think it was... Oh, more impressed for term, of Terminator 2 being better than 3. Yeah. I was going to say... Three is not better than two. Was your was so. your impression? Were you were you more impressed? Was the 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 baseline to impressed number for Terminator Two to Terminator Three better, or larger than the number of disappointment points <laughs> that Pacific Rim Two had? Pacific Rim Two. Do you get that? Are you following that? Pacific Rim Two had more. Was a bigger disappointment, disappointment than Terminator than Two was. Terminator in... Three was to two. I'll say. Okay, that's fair. Because Terminator Three is still. I mean, it's. In the same way, it's a lot of the same stuff. It's a lot of the same gags. Yep, they sent in back another T-800. It's that Arnold seems, Schwarzenegger. That seems like they couldn't have done that because in Terminator 2, they tell us they only sent two back. Well, then they decided to... The same way that Pacific Rim Uprising just pissed all over the <laughs> legacy of the first one. Three kind of does that to two. Yeah. But... I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was younger. I haven't seen it any, any time recently. I saw it yeah. in the theater when it came out with oh, my okay. dad. So that's a, that's an old memory. Yeah. So it may be the rose tinted glasses that are changing that. That's fair, I guess. Let's see. Uh, oh, what's a sequel that you think is better than the original? What's a sequel that you like better than the original? I didn't have to think about this. It's yeah. the second Blade Runner. Oh, okay. I like more than the first one. The second Blade Runner is. As, as I'm sure you know, having seen it with the people that we saw it with, or the first one that we saw it with, uh, the second Blade Runner is far less sexist than the first one. Yes. So, there we go. That's neat. Which I'm 100% on board with. Yeah. We here at Two Films Too Curious uh, are feminists, through and through. Zero percent sexist. Zero, uh, yeah. We try, we aim, we strive to be. Zero percent sexist. Yes. That's the, the fact guy. that it's two male hosts... It could be different. But anyways, yeah, I I don't know if I agree, but I could certainly see where somebody would agree for for that particular one. I like, I I know that when I asked this question the Friday that I asked the Friday movie question, what's your favorite sequel or prequel, that I was told that I can't answer this answer. But Two Towers is noticeably better in my eye (laughs) than Fellowship Fellowship or Return of the King. But I'm going to tell you why. And I think you know this. My favorite story is the introduction of a Mm -hmm. world and not the story told in that world. Terminator 1 introduces us to the entire concept of the Cyberdyne, blah, 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 Judgment Day nonsense. And it's sort of like, oh, let me see this thing. So, while Fellowship of the Ring does, in fact, introduce you to To the world of the Middle Earth. It does not introduce you to. The Rohirrim, which are introduced. In the country of Rohan. Yes. In Two Towers. They tell the story of the Rohirrim and Return of the King, which is, as we all know, objectively worse than the Two Towers. But so there we go. I'm just looking for a sad death. I, like I love sad Theoden's death. sad death. Theoden does have a nice sad death. And it's one of the only qualms I have of, uh, from the book. We're gonna go on. A, we're gonna go full tangential here we've got plenty of time so do your thing that in the books what happens you know theoden's classic like death right and and they all charge and it's awesome and it's beautiful yeah 
I do like more that in the book, Theoden's dead at this point. Right. Aomir comes out and he finds Eowyn and he thinks she's dead. Yeah. And they have that brief little snippet in the in the film that Where Gandalf's thinks, walking around yeah. in the fields and he runs up and he's like, man, that's like the that's some good, good fucking scene. acting. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a good like five seconds. Well, it turns out he wasn't acting. He really thought <laughs> that Kate Blanchett had died. Kate Blanchett, she's Gladriel. Fuck, what's her name? She's in a... She's in Sabrina. What's her name? Doesn't matter. Anyways. Amara and Amari. <laughs> yes. Um, but in the books, that's when Amor then takes charge, and he has the whole death thing. Yeah. And then he charges, and they and they win. That's a good speech, though. It is a very good speech. It's right that's, up there with the speech from Pacific Rim 1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things the movies did very well, was they just took the lines and moved yeah. them to different people. A lot of Treebeard's lines were either Tom Bombadil's or other random people. And it was it was smart to not rewrite it and to just take from other stuff. It was really weird when Treebeard was like, hey doll, Mary doll, ding-a-dong, dillo. I'm the king of the trees, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Tom. And he's like, no, my name's Treebeard. <laughs> it was very weird. It was a weird choice. Only his very, very close friends can call him Tom. Yeah. Uh... What is a movie that you really wish had a sequel, and what is a movie that you hope will never have a sequel? I hope that Princess Bride never has a sequel. Fair. And I know that it's a joke that there's a sequel, even though it's not really like a book that exists, and that because yeah. the whole thing of that book, as we've talked about on the podcast before, is that Jeff Goldblum is what I call him. <laughs> William Goldman. <laughs> William Goldman. I can't remember. Has a thing where he's like, send me a letter and I'll send you the last chapter and yeah. I'll send you the... And it ends with a the first chapter of Buttercup's Child, I think is the name of the sequel. <laughs> but it doesn't actually exist. Yeah. And I would hope that no one... I would hope that no one remakes that movie either. Which is interesting because when I asked you what movie do you wish had a remake... Or when I asked you about the remake of it, you were like, I'm really interested in that. And it's one of my favorite reasons why. That you had said um, that... Everybody knows how perfect Princess Bride is. And if there exists an entity that thinks they can do it better or different in a way that is just as good, you are really interested to see them do that if they're that convinced that they can do it. If they I feel like they sometimes, can. sometimes you forget the things that you tell me. Like, I went back in our messages and you told me on March 5th that we could record today. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> forgot we were going to record today. <laughs> you were like, hey, even if we can only watch a movie on Monday, that still keeps us on track to record on Wednesday. <laughs> March 5th feels like it was so long ago. You know, honestly, I don't know. This weekend felt very, a lot longer than it could have been. I don't know. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I think it's because I had to work on Saturday. I mean, I always have to work on Saturday, but I don't like it. So, that's part of it. Is there a movie that you think you would love to see a sequel for? Hmm. I'll, what are your answers while I think about Solo. that? Solo. I want to see a sequel for Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh. That would be good. To see how he runs afoul of, of Java. Yeah. Presumably that's where they're going at the end of that movie. Well, we know how he runs afoul of Java. Well, yeah. He gets the he, spice he, from he Kessel. He dumps it. And he dumps it. But something Seeing about that... that Let's get Darth Maul back wrapped up in this piece. Oh, mm-hmm. That'd be the bee's knees. I would love to see a sequel of that. I don't need to see a sequel 
to the rest of the Skywalker saga. I'm good. We wrap that up tight. I don't need to read the book for Star Wars 9 either. I've seen some of the things they're talking about in that book. Don't need it. Don't need it in my life. That movie was perfect. Flawless. And I don't need a book. Maybe the movie can be a little bit longer. I heard there was a longer cut. I'll take some of that. Other than that, we're good. That kiss wasn't a kiss between lovers. What? Yes, it was. It's fine. You did it. Let's move on. What was he trying to do? CPR? What was the thing? Apparently, it was a kiss between. It was a kiss of a, a, a heroic kiss. A, f- a kiss between friends. Friends who kiss on the mouth. Yes, I guess what they're going for <laughs> is. I think that. I think that they tried to use this as a way to hedge their bets, and so they're like, "Oh no, no! It's like the kiss in four between Leia and Luke, when he puts a spiteful the... kiss. No, 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 no. That's five. When he does the grappling hook up." And he's got Leia in his arms, and she's like, good luck. And kiss him on the on cheek. cheek. That's a yes. cheek. That's a different thing, though. Isn't it, though? <laughs> Anyways, I never thought I would be that person to be like, I don't need the books. But I don't think I need the books. I don't think I need that in my life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, George. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kyle. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Ren. Something that I would really like a sequel for. I mean, they already teased it. I really want a sequel to Spider-Verse. Oh, yes. They teased it, and someone important is on it, but I can't remember who. Someone I follow on the Twitter. I mean, even before they announced it, they teased it in the movie. Yeah. That it ends with Miles, all this, is laying in bed, and then the portal thing opens, and it's Gwen, and she's like, come on. Yeah. We're there. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have it yet, so that's a good answer. I can live with that. Anyways, here's a thing that we could easily say for a special feature, but I'm not going to because it's sitting right next to me. We both had movies. We ordered movies recently. Oh no, not that. That's that's the no no. You or did you did you ordered a movie today? Yesterday. Or did it come in? In that steel book. What movie? In the video game. Oh no. <laughs> I forgot there was a movie in that. You told me. You were like, it's, I have a new movie, I can add it to my list. It's true. I will own it. Yeah. It is uh Final Fantasy fifteen King's Glade. Uh-huh. It is the movie prequel to the Final Fantasy XV game, which really they should have made it part of the game, I think, because I had to look up parts of the movie because I didn't understand what was happening <laughs> in the game. <laughs> it's a classic Final Fantasy thing. Yeah, that's fair. I like Advent Children. I haven't played Final Fantasy VII. I although love the demo, Advent Children. Although the demo is out for yes. the remake. Apparently I mean, I they're doing it that. in chapters. Yes, I didn't know that. I don't know if I need that in my life. It's also not turn-based. I think you have the option to have it be turn-based. Okay. Okay. Everybody, it's fine. I can't do a real-time game like that so well. I like a turn-based. You can think. I can. Anyways, I just bought this. This came in the mail today. Can you see it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. It's Uncut Gems, and you (laughs) should all watch it. It should have been nominated for far more Oscars. Adam Sandler should have won the Oscar for this It piece. is a Safety Brothers film. It is. Here's a fun fact about this movie. They are the Safty Brothers, S-A-F-D-I-E. The dean of the library, S-A-F-L-E-Y, is Safely. And if you say Safely, she gets mad. So I don't say that because I don't want to get fired. Anyways, The Weeknd is in this movie and Adele Dazeem. Kevin Garnett, who plays basketball. That's my favorite sport, as we all know. 
why why is it your favorite sport? Is it because of the way they dribble oh up and down God, the court? Oh my God, so many reasons. The way they dribble up and down the court <laughs> is easily one of them. Uh, you know what I used to do when I like before like a couple of weeks before ago? the podcast? Yeah, I used to go to dinner and then take my girl to see Tiny play against Earl the Pearl. And Wilt oh, yeah. and Big Ol' and Jerry West play basketball at their very best. I don't know if you know this, but even before the podcast, basketball has always been my thing. <laughs> I like Magic, Bird, and Bernard King. Yeah. Number 23, my man Kareem, is the center on my story team. Hey, this ties us back hey. into traveling back in time. Tell me, <laughs> were you in the joint the night Wilt scored 100 points? No, and, and there's no Celtics videos of it either. Titles back-to-back. <laughs> Actually, fun fact, uh, there are no videos of it. You're right. But you know what there is? There's a recording of the last quarter of the game from the radio and oh. a recap, not from the, oh, what team was he on? Warriors? Sixers? I don't know. I'm not actually a basketball fan. The Warriors? Is from that, the other is that a team? team or is that Golden just, State. Or is but that it wasn't Golden from, State. Or is Warriors just from the movie? No, it's not. It's oh. Pat Benatar. No, I'm just kidding. It's the Golden State Warriors, but it wasn't always the Golden State Warriors. It used to be something else, but I can't remember what. Anyways, from the the, the not Will Ro- Chamberlain team. The Rogues. Yes. The Wizards. Yes. Uh, the Wizards is also a team, though. <laughs> um, the Sorcerers. That's also a basketball team. No, it's not. Anyways, they have a recording, a recap from the next day from the opposing team. And those two recordings are both now in the National Audio Archives in the Library of Congress Good. as important, historic, cultural, or aesthetically significant uh, audio recordings. They are. They are. I feel like we've talked enough about a sport that I actually don't care about. Uh, and uh, unless you have anything else to say, I think we're done. No. My words are all No, gone. we're not done. This is the first ever two-hour-long podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's our second year. Oh, no, they're all going to be two hours long. Yeah, buckle up, friends. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. and, uh, And, And we love you. And we love you.